ahead and find Ephesians chapter 3, if you would, this morning one more time, as this morning we're going to finish up this series that we've been in called Identity, Finding and Living Out Who You Truly Are, Finding Out What You Have and Who You Are in Christ Jesus. This past Monday, I attended a luncheon at the North Carolina Baptist Pastors Conference. The pastors conference always precedes the annual meeting. It starts on Sunday night and goes through Monday afternoon and then the annual meeting begins on Monday afternoon and goes through Tuesday. Now, I've attended this particular luncheon before. In fact, I've been to it probably at least two or three different times. But this time it was different. It used to be known as the Young Pastors Network. This year it was simply known as the Pastors Network. They had dropped off that word young. Well, the interesting thing is I was seated at a table with some other pastors and there was a youth pastor at the table as well. And we were there. It was interesting. Some pastor over uh, not too far from here and one pastor's back over kind of where I grew up and another young man was there. And so the people leading the luncheon said that uh, every table needs to choose a captain. We're going to do something. Choose a captain. And so the youth pastor seated at my table immediately before anybody says anything says, who's the oldest? <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, I got a guy to my left. I think he's got me beat. Surely he's got me beat. You know, he's got more gray than I do. And he says, well, I'm only this age and I had him beat by two years. I was the oldest person. I was the captain at the Pastors Network, which used to be called the Young Pastors Network. You know, in my years here, we've had to drop that word from a particular Sunday school class. I won't mention which one. They were known as the Young, and we had to drop the Young part. We also had to rename another class completely. We had to just take away their name and and say, well, that doesn't fit you anymore. Why did we take the name away? Why did we take the word away? Because it was no longer a fitting description of those classes, just as the Young Pastors Network really did not describe me. Every year we get older, and every year our bodies begin to reflect that fact that we're growing older. We can try to disguise it, we can deny it, we can make it over, we can make it up, we can do all sorts of things, but it's true. Second Corinthians says that our outward man, our outward person, our bodies are perishing. And in all honesty, some of you are here today, and if you were honest, you probably have had this thought. And when you think about your age, you think, I I can't believe I'm as old as I am. How did that happen? How did I get to this point? Well, let me just remind you that one of the ways you got there is because of God's mercy. He didn't have to let you live as long as you've lived. God let me live as long as I live. I've outlived my father. My father died in his early 30s from cancer. and, And so I've outlived him by a long shot now. So it's by God's mercies that we're here. It's by God's mercies we're not consumed. It's by God's mercies that we're alive today. But I find it sad that in our world, people are consumed with the outward appearance and physical health. They do everything they can to hold on to it. And of course, we should be good stewards of it. But they do everything to hold on to it and do everything they can to make it better. And yet they totally ignore, totally ignore the inner man. They totally ignore the spiritual dimension of our lives. Now, that same verse that I shared from 2 Corinthians, I mentioned just a part of it. Our outward man is perishing. It's actually much more encouraging. In fact, you might want to jot this reference down, 2 Corinthians 4.16. You could put this on your birthday cake this in, in 2022 when it comes up, all right? 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. 
We do not grow discouraged. Why? Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. In other words, the outside's getting worse, but the inside's getting better. The outside's going down, but the inside's going up. That is the inner man, the inner person's being renewed day by day. The inner man, the inward person, the spiritual life that's in us. And Paul's going to talk about the inner man today, and that's why I bring it up. We're in Ephesians. We're finishing up this series. We're going to finish up chapter 3 today, verses 14 through 21. I want to read this and we'll come back and talk about it. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, Paul writes, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, watch this, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit, in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If you didn't catch it, this is a prayer from Paul. We need to listen because Paul is praying. Wouldn't it have been something to be allowed to be with Paul when he was there literally, physically praying to the Father? What a, what a treat that would be. Well, we have a sampling of that here as we see the requests that Paul is making. And I want you to notice it doesn't center on the physical. It centers upon Jesus Christ and the inner man or inner person. And, and as I studied it this past week, scholars are divided about how to, how to divide up the requests. Some people see two requests here. Some people see three requests. Some people see four requests. And it really doesn't matter as long as you cover all of them. And so for our purposes today, we're going to talk about four requests that Paul's make, Paul makes and then a doxology. If you're, if you're studying along, if you have a King James or a New King James, you'll, you'll notice the word that. You'll notice four that's. And we're going to focus on those four that's because those four that's are the requests that Paul is making on behalf of these believers. And as I, study, as we, as I said as we studied Paul's first prayer back in chapter 1, I want you to notice that Paul's prayer request, Paul's prayer itself is so much different than our prayers. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and, and bring our prayer, our prayer and our prayer request in line more of how Paul prays here. As we look at what Paul prayed for, uh, please notice this is what we should be praying for one another. This is what we should be praying for ourselves. So I'm going to word it that way today. Instead of talking about them, I'm going to talk about you. Okay, so when I give you the points today, it'll talk about you because these are God's desire for us. All right. So let's go through and look at these requests Four requests. We should be praying for each other and praying for ourselves. And I want you to notice that he prayed, first of all, that you will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in the inner man, that you'll be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Look at verse 16. This time I read it in the NLT just so you hear it differently. I pray that from his glorious and limited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. More than we need outer strength, physical strength, we need inner strength. We need spiritual strength. 
Now, this is talking about becoming strong spiritually. Strong spiritually. We sang about it today, right? Let the weak say, I am strong. I was thinking as we were singing, that would be a great song for the kids because the actions are there. The weak say, I am strong. And he's praying that we'll be strong in our inner spiritual life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. In fact, the Bible says if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you're lost. It's evident. It's just clear as it can be. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart and your life. And we need to become strong spiritually. We need to grow. And this is where we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not just a magical thing. You see, the Holy Spirit's within us. He indwells us, but He desires to fill us. The Bible talks about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Every believer has that. But then the Bible talks about the filling of the Holy Spirit. What is that all about? Is that some kind of weird, mystical thing? Does that mean there's a blue aura about you? No, it simply means to be filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. And so we cooperate with the Holy Spirit as we obey Him, as we let Him guide us, and as He directs our lives, we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here it's talking about spiritual growth. He wants us to become strong in the inner man. Well, how does that happen? Well, think about your physical life for a moment. How do you become strong in your physical life? You have to eat. You have to exercise. You have to move. You have to take in and and work, right? Well, when it comes to our spiritual lives, the Holy Spirit is at work, but we have a part to play in this. So what do you mean? Well, we have to do some things like take in the Bible. And so that might be Bible reading. It might be coming to a, a sermon, a service like this, going to Sunday school, going to a Wednesday night Bible study, doing your own Bible study, listening to good a Bible teaching on, on the radio. But you're taking in God's Word, and that's part of it. That's like the food that we're eating. And then also there's things like very simple, basic things. I know sometimes people get disappointed maybe because they, they come thinking, well, we're going to really hear something, and the preacher says you need to read your Bible and pray. I mean, is that all you got? Well, listen, those are the most basic level things that we've got. That's what God has given us. That's the areas of growth. And the truth of the matter is a lot of us could probably do a lot better in our basic Bible reading and prayer, um, attending worship services, participating, exercising our spiritual bodies, if you will. Like food for our physical bodies, we feed our spiritual selves, the inner person. And that's what Paul is praying for these Ephesians. That's God's desire for us. We'd be strengthened in the inner man. We'd be strong spiritually. Yes, the outward man is perishing. Every one of us today, here's an encouraging thought. You're one step closer to death today than you were yesterday. You're one day closer to death today than you were yesterday. You say, well, that's encouraging. Well, you know, for the believer, it certainly is. Even so come, Lord Jesus. I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? And the weirder things get and the wilder things get. And I look at what's going on in our world and we think, even so come, Lord Jesus. But listen, every day the outward man is perishing, but the inner man, the inner person should be growing stronger and stronger and stronger being renewed. And Paul is praying. And let me ask you this. Do you ever pray this type of prayer for other people? Do you ever pray this type of prayer? In all honesty, we usually pray for physical things, don't we? We pray for physical things. There's nothing wrong with that. We ought to pray for physical things. The Bible says we can. We pray for our food. We pray for these various things. But we ought to pray more for spiritual things. Parents, do you ever pray a prayer like this for your children? 
Father, I pray that my child would be strengthened by Your Spirit in their inner man or inner woman, if you will. You ever pray a prayer like that? They would be strong spiritually? Listen, those of you that are husbands and wives, what is the desire you truly have for your spouse? You ever pray a prayer like this? How much time do we really spend praying for people's spiritual growth and strength? Because most of our prayers are what? They're on this level. They're on a human level. God bless them. God uh, help them to get over their sickness. God provide a job. God help them in school. And all that's right. I'm not discounting that. But the problem is we never rise any higher in our praying and get to what really is important. Sadly, what we pray for really shows what we really consider important. And a lot of times we, we live, and I know it's hard, beloved. Why? Because we live in this world every day. And the bills come and the problems come and the issues come. And we should pray about all those things. But even more so, we should be concerned with spiritual growth. And so everything Paul could have prayed for them, he says, I pray that you will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in your inner man. How much time do we spend praying for people's spiritual growth? Second request. He prays that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. Now look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now this cannot be referring to salvation. Because you look at that and you think, well, he's praying they get saved. No, they're already saved. He wasn't praying for their salvation. By the way, can I ask you, are you saved? The Bible says we've all sinned, we've all messed up, we've all fallen short. There's none good, no, not one, none that does good. There's none righteous. That's why Christ came. If you've never received Christ, He died in your place. He took the fall. We sing about it today. Trampled on the ground like a rose. But He's not on that ground anymore. He's alive forevermore. And because He lives, you can live. Give your life to Christ. But as you look at this, He prays that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. So what was He talking about here? What was He requesting? What was He asking for? Well, the word dwell there is a very interesting word. One scholar that I read, in fact, several pointed out that it, it means literally a permanent residence. So that makes sense. Permanent residence that Christ would dwell in your heart. Well, that seems more like salvation. But, but it means more than that. It means a permanent residence in a complete possession. Complete possession. In other words, it means that Christ, that Christ would be at home in your heart. That Christ would be at home in your life. Now, I've got to be careful here because sometimes we talk about this and children, they can literally think that Christ lives in their pumping heart. And they think there's a little Christ in there. That's not what's talking about, boys and girls. When it says in our hearts, it means our inner being, our inside. The spiritual part of us. And he's saying that I pray that Christ would be at home in your heart, your inside, your spiritual life, that He would be at home. And again, this comes about as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. This time the key is obedience and surrender. And so as Christ dwells in our hearts through His Holy Spirit, we want Him to be at home. Now, now you understand this. In fact, somebody pointed out this way. You ever gone and stayed in somebody's home? I've stayed in people's homes before. And, and that could be an interesting experience. And I'm sure we could swap stories about that. But, but when you're staying at somebody's home, 
if you're like me, you're there, and depending on who they are and how you know them and if they're related or not, or if you've ever been in their home, there's kind of a... You're not really at home. I mean, you're just there, but you're very careful. I mean, you're not running around in your boxer shorts getting milk out of the fridge in the middle of the night. I hope. Right? You're not that at home. Because you're a guest in that home, and so you're very kind and courteous, and you're like... But where are the glasses? It's okay if I get a glass of milk. And you're dressed better than you would be. And you carry on because you're a guest there. But, you, but at home, that's not that way. When you're at home, you're at home. And that's the idea. We want Christ to be at home in our lives, indwelling us. In other words, He has complete possession. He has the key to every door, as it's been likened to. He has, he has access to every room. And it's the idea of obedience and surrender. It's the Holy Spirit. As you're going in the Word, remember we're growing in the spiritual life, growing in our inner uh, spiritual person. We're taking in the Word. We're praying. We're hearing sermons and Sunday school lessons. We're studying the Word. As we see things revealed to us, we're obedient. We're surrendering to Him that He would dwell in our hearts by faith. He'd have complete possession, but not only possession, but that He would have full control of our lives. This is spiritual growth. So Christ is not only a resident in your life, He's the president of your life. He's in charge. And that's what Paul prayed for these believers. That you would be, have Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith. But there's a third that. And you'll notice as we keep going, these kind of build upon each other, that you would comprehend the amazing love of Christ. That you would comprehend the amazing love of Christ. Verses 17, the second part, through 19, the first part. Let me read this to you again, this time from a different translation, just so you hear it differently. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. This is not talking about our love for Christ. This is talking about Christ's love for us. One of the greatest needs that we have is to fully understand as best we can, because we're limited, the wonderful love that Christ has for us. Some of you have come in today, you've been beat up, you've been beat down, you're struggling. You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have Him, but the reality is what your need is today is to really experience and really understand how much Christ loves you to receive His love. I was struggling with some things last night as I was laying in bed, hadn't gone to sleep yet, going through some things, thinking about some things, just praying to the Lord. And at one point I just prayed, I just prayed, Lord, I receive Your love. I receive Your love. I accept Your love. And some of you need to do that in your life. You need to understand, accept, receive Christ's love for you. And it's an amazing love. He talks about here the, the depth, the height, the width, the length, and that sort of thing. Christ's love is so amazing. I love the story that David Jeremiah told about how after the Spanish Inquisition, it said that the bones, the bones of a Spanish prisoner were found in a dungeon. And believe it or not, beloved, the shackles were still attached to the leg bones of that skeleton. That person died in bondage. But above where that skeleton lay was amazing. The prisoner had scratched a cross in the stone wall. 
And at the top of that cross was written the word height. At the bottom of the cross was written the word depth. At the end of the one arm was written the word breadth. And at the end of the other arm was the word length. And that Spanish believer had died contemplating, contemplating the love of Christ which passes all knowledge. The height, the depth, the breadth, the width of that love. And the cross of Christ is a perfect picture of just how much God loves us. You wonder, does God love me? Look to the cross. How much does He love you? Look to the cross. He loved you so much He died for you. We don't earn God's love. We don't merit God's love. We don't deserve God's love. We don't work for God's love. It's freely given to us. And Paul says to these Ephesian believers, I pray you would comprehend the amazing love of Christ. You see, because we love Him only because He first loved us. And as we understand the love He has for us, our love for Him grows. We've got to hurry. There's a fourth request. Another that. That you would be filled with the fullness of God. Look at verse 19. It just says that. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. A wonderful but strange thought. Filled with all the fullness of God. The NLT renders it this way. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. To be full of God. What does that mean? It means to be God-like in our attitudes, our actions, our words, our responses. It certainly means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's got to be part of it. You know, I mentioned every believer is indwelt. The Holy Spirit lives in every single believer. And by the way, not just a piece of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a person, not a thing, not a force. The Holy Spirit's a person, the third member of the Trinity. He indwells every believer. But as I said before, He desires to be filling our lives, controlling our lives. And certainly that has to be part of it. And what is He doing when He fills our lives? He's making us like Christ. Talk like Christ and act like Christ. He's bringing about attitudes and actions in our life. We call them the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, listen, this is what He's trying to work in our lives. You ready? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. Boy, don't we need that in our world? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Again, does your prayer list look differently than, different than Paul's prayer list? This is what he's praying for. When's the last time you prayed for somebody to be filled with all the fullness of God? <laughs> Have you ever prayed that prayer? See, he's centering on the spiritual upon the inner man. Now, he's giving four requests, but there's, that's not the end. It brings us to the end of his prayer, which we would say is a doxology, a wonderful doxology. But since we're using the that's, I wrote it as the that. So here's the doxology, that God will be glorified in all generations forever. That God will be glorified in all generations forever. Look again at verses 20 and 21. Now to him, love this, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. Not just above all, not just all, but exceedingly abundantly above all that we could what? Ask or think. This is amazing. 
according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Oh, this is so wonderful. We don't have but just a moment to touch on it. Notice His greatness. Notice His power. Notice His ability. Notice what it says about Him. He's able to do exceedingly above, above all that we can ask or think according to the power, His power that works in us. He is glorious. He's able to do all that we, above all that we can even think. Not just ask. And yet we're afraid sometimes to pray, aren't we? We're overwhelmed. And we have a God that can do above and beyond abundantly than we can ask or think or even imagine. And Paul kind of brings it, wraps it up and says this, that all of it might be done to the glory of God. Can I just tell you, that's the goal of every request he's made, the glory of God. All of this points back to God's glory. Really, it's the goal of all these requests, that God would be glorified. Let me ask you, do you pray that way for other people? Is that really the heart of your prayers? That God and this person, would you be glorified? Would they be filled with the fullness of God? Would they be strengthened in their inner person, their inner man, their spiritual life? I, I was thinking about how to close this message. You say, well, I'm just glad you're going to close it. Well, I'm going to close it. I'm going to close it with a question. Don't answer out loud. It's just a simple question. Do you pray requests like these for the people that you pray for? Now, that's taking some things for granted. Number one, it's taking for granted that you pray. Number two, it's taking for granted that you pray for other people. I'm taking that for granted. But do you pray requests like these for the people that you pray for? Or are all of your requests just right here? Just all right here on the surface, all right here on the physical, all right here on this earth, all right here with physical needs. Do you pray requests like these for the people that you pray for? Would you pray with me? Your head is bowed, your eyes are closed. Number one, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, today's the day. Friend, as He works in your heart, come to faith in Christ today. Say, what do I do, preacher? Give Him your life. Turn from your sin. Place your faith in Him alone. He will save you. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. Simple prayers. You mean it from your heart. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost. But I believe Jesus died for me. I trust Him today. I receive Him as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Become my Savior and Lord. Help me to live for you. Friend, if you've never done that, today's the day to do that. If you still have questions, as soon as we're done, we're getting ready to sing in just a moment. Pastor Larry over here, I'll be here. We'd love to take a Bible and talk with you. Don't leave here without knowing that's settled. But the primary part of our message today was for believers. And so let me just ask you, what is God saying to you? Where's your priority? Where's your prayer life at? Is it all just right here? Is it all just right now? Is it all just on the earth and the surface and the physical? Or is it a desire to seek true spiritual growth to the glory of Almighty God? Would you speak to the Lord in prayer right where you are? And the altar will be open in a moment if you want to come and pray as well. I'm going to give you just a few seconds there to pray. And then I'll close in prayer and we'll sing. The altar is open today. We would invite you to come.
now, Father, would you be glorified in this place? Would you be glorified in this part of the service? As the altars open, as we sing in just a moment for your glory, do a work here for your glory. Help us, Lord, to examine our prayer lives. Help us to see where our priorities truly are, our desires for our loved ones, our family, our friends, as we pray for them. Lord, take charge, I pray. We ask this in the lovely and wonderful name of our soon-coming Savior and King, the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. We're going to sing that song she's playing, Glorify Thy Name. is number 18. We would invite you to come. Come and pray. If you need to be saved today, come let us know that. We'd love to help you. Let's stand together. Number 18, glorify thy name in all the earth.